Hey everybody, welcome to Local Business Hacks Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Case, and I'm on a mission to help you. Every week we're gonna be talking to local business owners and experts to get their best tips, tricks, and hacks to grow your business. This show is designed to teach you, inspire you, and motivate you to take massive action and start to build your future-proof business. Whether you're just starting off or you're taking your existing business to the next level, this episode is for you. So let's get started. Good morning, listeners. Head of Business Development for Referizer, Carl Case, joined today by a super special guest, Billy Grenham, Chief Marketing Officer for CycleBar. Billy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. I am super happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. It's been so nice getting to know you just in the brief moments that we've been chatting and excited to tell my story. Thanks, man. Well, you do have a pretty cool story coming from the restaurant world into what is now the largest fitness brand globally. So talk to me a little bit. Tell our listeners how you got here. Yeah, of course. So it all started actually a really long time ago from my mom and dad. They are 30-year owner-operators of a small gym in Los Angeles. So that's where I learned everything from community building, the power of a relationship, grassroots marketing, and just getting out and being seen in the community and being involved and active in the community. And it was an amazing way to grow up just to see generations go through their business. And there was never a Christmas parade or a farmer's market that we weren't at to try to get people into the business and to just get the awareness out there. So very scrappy on the ground. And it was just, it was fun. It was a fun way to grow up and taking that spirit and then being able to apply it to my current job is awesome and amazing. And that was 20, 25 years ago, but graduated college and went right into the agency world and and working for Old Spice, Procter & Gamble, which was an insane way to go about learning branding and a brand that just has an absolute bullseye target on their core demographic, the dude, right? And then just pushing the envelope and understanding how to be a little bit more um, just disruptive in all that we do and leveraging social media and tone of voice and making sure that tone of voice exudes internally as well as externally. And I remember this was when we were just making the pivot into body washes and they really wanted to hone in on the heritage of Old Spice. And I remember there was some messaging that we put on the back of the bottle. It said, if your grandfather didn't wear it, you wouldn't exist. And I just thought that was such a cool, clever way to own your heritage in like a tongue in cheek kind of way, just celebrate the spirit the heritage and also that tongue-in-cheek kind of irreverent comedy of the brand. And I did that for about three and a half years and I loved it, but I wanted more ownership over what I was doing. I wanted more ownership of the strategy, of course, the budget and just the, the whole the overall calendar. So I got an opportunity to, to move to the dark side, the client side over at Pepsi. Yeah. So I got the call from PepsiCo and they were looking for entrepreneurial spirit who understood grassroots marketing, social media, digital strategy. And I worked in their naked emerging beverage unit in Southern California. So the business unit that was buying up all of the the better for you drinks under the PepsiCo banner, like the Izzy sparkling juices of the world, the naked juices, all the coconut water. So again, a really cool opportunity to learn business, community management and branding while leveraging the power of Pepsi, but really charting our own course because these brands needed to be nurtured. It was almost like an incubation unit. It was like such a cool kind of fun time to be a part of these growing brands and flex the power of Pepsi. And then 
did that for a number of years. And then I got the call of a lifetime from one of my favorite brands, still one of my favorite brands, Taco Bell. My two loves, tacos and international travel, and joined their international team as a digital marketing manager. And then that's when things just absolutely exploded. Did that for about five and a half years, ended up being the global director of marketing for Taco Bell, responsible for bringing the brand to Tokyo, to Shanghai, to Bangkok, Brazil, all throughout Europe, all throughout Southeast Asia, and just had the time of my life taking all of these elements that I've learned throughout my career from starting with grassroots, which is working on Microsoft Word and coming up with cool flyers that I could help promote my mom and dad's gym to leveraging the brand of Old Spice and leaning forward and then understanding the power of performance and brand marketing from Pepsi and then doing it in a way that was always what I called globally consistent and locally relevant. So when bringing the Taco Bell brand to life in these foreign countries and cultures, we would always do it through research and insights and figuring out how it could be one Taco Bell that you know and love, but it's going to be local to Tokyo. It's going to be local to Shanghai from the forms, the flavors, and even the marketing as well. And that was what was really cool about the research process that we had is that we had a full-blown kitchen when we did our consumer. Yeah, I can see you drooling. We had a full-blown kitchen while we were doing research and we would serve the food to the locals to see like how they would adopt a taco, how they would display proper taco neck, or if nachos were even going to be appropriate. And I remember one time in Tokyo, we served nachos to the youth of Tokyo and they just pushed them right back. And they said, this is too chaotic. My fingers are going to get dirty. I don't know what's going on here. So we had to rethink nachos and we invented what we later called deconstructed nachos. So we put a pile of chips in a bento box and then put the toppings in souffle cups all around them. So it was neat. It was orderly. It was organized. And then you could take a chip and then apply your own toppings. Like, and then all of a sudden they love nachos, you know? So there was like so many of those like cool awakening moments and even just using the form. So we invented taco rice bowls because we knew that uh, tacos and burritos were a little bit unfamiliar. So we needed to use a form that they were familiar with to get those craveable ingredients inside of them. And that was just an amazing way to go about building brand and brand love. And then of course, pushing the brand forward and intersecting culture. And that was something that I was really proud of what me and my team were able to do because we were always listening on social media for clues. And we found so many clues online from people who had loved the brand three or four years ago and said that they want to be the ones to bring Taco Bell to Tokyo. So I would reach out to them and one of them happened to be like a local DJ. So I had him and his hip hop group open up for us at the first night of Taco Bell Tokyo. So the first 100 fans that lined up, not only were the first to eat Taco Bell, but they then came back at five o'clock later that night for a hip hop show, exclusive hip hop show underneath our restaurant on day one. And we had people camping out. There was a line like three hours to get in. We gave them all t-shirts that were one through 100. So they came back later that night wearing their t-shirt, which was their ticket inside this hip hop show. And everybody was chest bumping. They were high-fiving. We were making these like once in a lifetime moments by a brand that wasn't even there the day before. So figuring out how to intertwine brand with culture was always a fun way to kind of figure out planning and then going about and being disruptive. And we did the same thing for the UK. We had found out that a, a, a band was touring here and they were blogging about stopping at every Taco Bell in the States when they were on tour. So I reached out to them 
And I noticed that they were using our logo on their merchandise. So instead of Taco Bell, it said neck deep and they were using the Taco Bell logo. And if you do that here in the States, you're going to get sued pretty quick. But for me, that was all opportunities. So I reached out to them and I said, hey, guys, I see you're using our logo. Would you like to work with us? And they're like, oh, my gosh, we're so glad we're not being sued. Of course, we're lifelong fans. Yeah. So we had them play opening night. So at night one, when we opened our first inline restaurant in the UK, they played a, a acoustic punk rock show on the second level. And the first 100 fans that lined up or got in that next morning got access to the show later tonight. So I bought all of those t-shirts and I gave them to everybody that came in. So they wore the t-shirts later that night. And again, they had this once in a life lifetime opportunity to make memories from a brand that hadn't existed the day before. So I know this is a long-winded answer of career and my career journey, and I'm just scratching the surface here because we did the same thing in India, did the same thing in, in China with Shaquille O'Neal, teaching all the youth how to display proper taco neck. But after five and a half years of traveling the world, things started to get a little wild here in the States for me. I started having little kids and my wife works full-time and she said, that's awesome, you know, that you're having the time of your life, but you know, what's going on over here? Yep. Yep. Show me the love. And of course I had to, and I have no regrets whatsoever. I had gotten a call from a recruiter who said that there was a fitness company, a growing fitness company in Southern California that was looking for somebody that was hospitality minded to bring hospitality into the fitness world. And that really spoke to me because I joined the brand Choose Fitness, who considers themselves a hospitality company using fitness as a vehicle. And I just thought that was such a refreshing way to position a brand that's growing in fitness, which is inherently good. You know, I did that for about three and a half years and worked on their positioning. We rebuilt their brand house and had the time of my life just figuring out how to be disruptive and take all of those elements, but do it in a category that was just so ripe for disruption. So we had country concerts and pop-up concerts inside of our fitness clubs, which were about 40 to 50,000 square feet. And again, just doing those surprise and delight tactics, using social media to figure out like what was trending, what people are interested in, and then going about and making their day one by one so that then it not only created fans for life, but it naturally reverberated back on through social media, right? And just created fan love and it, it brought awareness to the brand indirectly. So it wasn't us talking about us. It was us allowing the members to talk about us because we were making their day. So that was about three and a half years. Did that again, like that was big box, 50,000 square feet, which is just, it's a community under one roof. It takes a long time to build those out. And then I got a call from an old friend who I worked with at Taco Bell, Trevor Lucas. He's the president of Cycle Bar here at Exponential Fitness. And he, he just said, would you be open to having a conversation? You know, and um, long story short, I'm back in franchising and fitness. So like, this is my sweet spot, you know, so I'm working as chief marketing officer of Cycle Bar, which is the largest um, indoor cycling brand in the world. We're growing all over the world, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, all through Canada. We have a couple of hundred studios here in the States and growing fast. And just this past weekend, we were able to really leverage the power of being a global brand, which the brand had never done before because they're growing so fast. And we launched a global cycle gives to breast cancer awareness event on Saturday, where we had hundreds of studios participating. If you wanted to ride at a cycle bar, it was $15 and 100% of the proceeds went to Sujin Chi Komen, 
we were able to raise a ton of money. We had thousands of writers, hundreds of studios. We got, we made so much noise. The first lady of the United States showed up in Fort Lauderdale. Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden rode with us in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, that solidified a lot that, again, I had done throughout all of my career. But if you make the effort to go big, if you go big as a team, big things can happen. And we're just in our infancy here, but at Exponential Fitness, we also own nine other brands. So it's a portfolio company. So there's a lot of collaboration. It's very collegiate. There's a lot of really good energy in the room. And again, like I said, it's it's early innings here, but like we've already seen what the brand can do when the community comes together and the beauty of, of fitness and boutique fitness in general. It's just, it's all about this tight-knit community that that experiences life together inside the studio and outside the studio. So it's such an, a unique opportunity to weave the brand in there in a culturally relevant way. So did you have a second question? Live Moss, baby. I think that's what I get the most out of it. Obviously, yeah. congratulations to you and congrats to Exponential for having somebody that has such a broad global impact across different industries. And it is cool to hear how hospitality and boutique fitness and big box all are myriads of each other for the main reason of who doesn't feel a little guilt and then satisfaction when gorging themselves on fast food and then crushing it in the gym the next day and that being your fuel to fuel that fire. Yeah, no. And it's funny. I do say I had way too many tacos during my time at Taco Bell, which is why I had to go into, into fitness. But there's just, there's so many benefits of being involved in this category, just from um, physical state, of course, but then like the mental and emotional state as well, which is something that is very untapped, but needed, especially out of what we all just came out of. And the community aspect of boutique fitness, like I said, is just something that you'll never get over the Zoom, you'll never get over virtual. And we have a very robust virtual platform that we use as a component, an added component to the in in-studio experience, but people crave human connection. When, when you see people coming together and they're giving hugs and chatting, going out to happy hours afterwards, that's what it's all about. You know, and like that's that's what we're doing with, with a lot of our folks here. So it's an exciting time to be a part of the brand. Yeah, I can personally speak. Shout out Casey Bushy at Red Mill in Virginia, Cycle Bar, the, the franchise. Nice. You know, I can tell say that the first time that I spoke to her and, and her husband, Chris, I felt like I was a part of their family. So you guys are clearly doing an amazing job at recruiting the proper owner operators into the space because they're doing a great job. So awesome, awesome work, Billy. As we transition into into the lessons that you've learned, I think that this question could be very unique for you, but I've been hands-on personally with some of your franchisees. And I think that you bring a a level of experience that Quite honestly, I don't know if anyone has, at least in my network, that has gone through this path. So I'm going to ask you a question and feel free to openly answer however you want to direct it. But I typically say, what are some lessons that you've learned or what are the stories that taught you these lessons? But with you, I'd like to say, think deep on the franchisees because we do have, we are fully embedded with Exponential and work hands-on and a lot of our listeners are your franchisees. So what are some things that you brought from hospitality into boutique fitness that are amazing tips and tricks that people could stand to to learn from? Yeah, just in general, the power of brand as it relates to building community and it's the soft skills of the brand that really stand the test of time because it gets to lean into your purpose and why you exist in the first place. A lot of folks are just all about CPL and all about what's my ROI and the numbers. And of course, 
Um, economics drives enthusiasm. That was a line that I learned from Melissa Laura, who was our president at, at Taco Bell. And that is the language of love when franchising. But um, it's not just sales overnight, it's brand over time. And that's a really big mantra that I hit home on here, especially with my team as well. It's like, we have a job to do. We need to help our franchisees grow their grow their business, um, course correct. If they're doing great, we need to share that with the rest of the system. But we can't lose sight on the fact that we're trying to grow a brand here and a brand that stands for something more than just sweating in a room with all of your best friends, which is exhilarating and great. But it's also, it's got to be something more. And that's what sales overnight and brand over time really means is that you need to do what you need to do right now to course correct and get everybody in a good position, but never lose sight of planning ahead and never lose sight of figuring out how to intertwine with culture in a relevant way that really speaks to the power of your brand, whether it's getting thousands of writers to ride for a cause that gives back to breast cancer awareness and charity or something different, whether it's going out to happy hours or having a local artist stop into your business while they're on tour, right? Like what's going to light a fire and what's going to really kind of allow people to carry that torch and talk about your brand in a way that demystifies common assumptions and notions, especially in the indoor cycling realm, like where we're at, it can be seen as exclusive, elitist. Like I have to already be in shape to be in that room. And at Cycle Bar, it's the complete opposite. It's come as you are. It's inclusive. The instructors are your uh, DJ. They're your therapist. They're your best friend. They're your motivator. They're the ones that keep you going. And it really is for everyone. And so that's what my job is to push as many people in there so they can see for themselves and do the research and figure out how people feel about the brand so that you can help tell that story through their lens and through their voice. And that's what we just found by asking simple, like zero party data questions on social media. It's like fill in the blank. Um, Cycle bar makes me feel X. What's one word you use to describe cycle bar? And overwhelmingly it's community, family, and inclusive right? Like those top three, which is not in the word cloud of anybody that understand or anybody that just has this perceived notion of boutique fitness in general, but then indoor cycling. So I was like, wow, what our members know is the complete opposite of what others assume. So I need to bridge that gap, you know, and use charity, use music, fashion, art, sports to figure out how are we going to kind of carry, carry that tail from point A to point B. Two things I got out of that. Grassroots marketing, there's nothing that can replace that ever. It's probably your most valuable tool is set, building that sense of community in your community itself. And then secondly, which is something that I preach on every podcast. And for those of you that aren't doing it, reach out to me or Billy directly and we'll help you. But it's create raving fans inside of your business because without those raving fans, that brand just disappears. And then that brings a unique point that maybe you can speak to on branding. So many people create an amazing business, but it's just a business. And when we talk about a brand, it's completely different. And that's been a shift that I personally have seen over the last 10 years. It used to be, I'm, I made a business and now it's, I made a brand. Yes. And yeah. And it's, it's really um, a shift from me to we, right? Yeah. Um, essentially. And, and it's being people focused. And that when you go from a me to we, you stop selling at somebody, you stop, you start selling with somebody and stop marketing at somebody, you start marketing with them. And that just like that flip really opens up a whole new avenue that allows them to be, you know, your raving fan, 
right? And, and who am I to get in the way of somebody telling their friends about how great the experience is at Cycle Bar? Because that's, that's the name of the game. I want those referrals and I want them to shout it from the rooftops. So I build the pedestal for them to climb up and tell all of their friends. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Billy, we got time for one last story. So if you can recant a story that might be funny to you or that continually is reminded in your day-to-day, tell me about the story and maybe a little bit of the result that it drove. Okay. So when building the Taco Bell go-to-market strategy for Japan, we had all of our bases covered. We started eight months before. We were on the ground doing research. We were doing intercepts. We were talking to people. We were serving them the food. We were getting spice levels. You know, like, is it is it India spice level or is it is it Midwest spice level? You know, like what, how, how far can we push it? So we had all of our bases covered and from every touch point possible, but I still felt as if something was lacking. We had just like a great marketing plan. We had a huge, huge press release. We had a huge conference. We had a huge press conference in our studio. We had everybody from the ESPNs of the world to the local Tokyo Playboy to all of the local news. Like they were eating up everything that we were serving. So, you know, like everything was a smash success, but we just we needed something more and we needed something that really spoke to the spirit of the brand. So, and for me, selfishly, I really wanted to include a bucket list item into the go-to-market strategy. So um, I wrote into the plan to have, to really speak to the Southern California roots, which speaks to the local Tokyo consumer, all things Southern California, Hollywood, Disneyland, surfing, um, everything is cool coming from California. And especially during that time. And California was the way to go when you're talking about a U.S. business. So I built into the plan that we were going to have somebody wear a wetsuit and have a branded surfboard that was going to be walking around Tokyo and like the Pied Piper leading them back into the restaurant. And that happened to be me. So I was the first to volunteer. So yeah, and it's on my uh, my LinkedIn page if you take a look. Um like the cherry on top of the go-to-market strategy. And like I said, we had all of those bases covered. It was a smash hit. Tokyo is just insanely cluttered. You have to think way outside the box to make it to make an impact there and have a ripple effect. And this was the thing that really kind of just brought everything together. So when we were opening our first day, I went into the back of the restaurant. I put on a wetsuit and I got this surfboard that we had taken. We had multiple surfboards we took from Southern California via Manila. We had to make a stop in Manila and then into Tokyo. So I was walking around and I went out the restaurant, out into Shibuya Crossing. And if Shibuya Crossing, if you've ever been there in Tokyo, there's like 1 million people that go across this this, this crosswalk um, every week, insanely cluttered in traffic. So just went out there and started walking back and forth. And all of a sudden, just in Tokyo, if you make a scene, you know, good things will happen. Media started following, people were taking pictures, and I was bringing everybody back to the restaurant. And again, we had all of the bases covered, but this was just like that one little extra push that made it super special. Again, it was a bucket list of mine, but then it also really kind of spoke to the spirit of the brand and that live moss mantra that just encourages you to go big or go home. That's awesome. So digital strategist, chief marketing officer, Surfer actor extraordinaire, you know, we got it all today. I will do whatever it takes to help my franchisees grow their business, period. I love that. 
Billy, how can people get involved on the cycle bar exponential side? How can people follow you and your journey going forward? Um, really simple, Billy at cyclebar.com. So please reach out. And if you've learned anything from you know the last 25 minutes of me talking is that I'm open to anything and everything. And the further out we go, is it, it, it excites me a little bit more. And we're working on some really cool programming for next year. So please reach out, uh, follow us at, at CycleBar um, on Instagram for more information. But you know, like I said, it's early innings, but like this brand is so ready to explode. Love that. Billy, thank you so much from us and our listeners for today's podcast. Thanks so much, Carl. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you found it helpful. Be sure to head over to our site, local-business-hacks.com to check out the show notes and send me questions or ideas for future episodes. If you want to grow your business, just like the people you've heard from here, follow Local Business Hacks podcast and tune in for new tips, tricks, and tactics. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep hacking.